Nigovanen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. If you saw last week's video, you know what's coming, and it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to talk about Peter Jackson's five worst scenes. There are lots of other things that I could talk about that are absolutely horrible about Peter Jackson's movie trilogy. I'm going to restrain myself to specific scenes that were done very badly. I can I will have other videos talking about major themes or characters that were done all wrong. Here I'm limiting myself to scenes. Even so, this is going to be a really ugly list and I'm going to get very ranty. Be prepared. Let's get started. As in the previous two videos, I'm going to go in chronological order rather than in order from best to worst or vice versa. However, in this particular case, the first one is probably also the least bad. Um, the first scene I want to talk about is the Weathertop scene. In the movie, of course, what we get is the hobbits are all on Weathertop. Aragorn is for some reason not present. Frodo wakes up to find the other hobbits cooking food on a fire, tells them to put it out, stamps it out. Ringwraiths show up. Ringwraiths surround hobbits, uh, or nearly surround hobbits. They close in on the hobbits. Uh, the hobbits try to defend Frodo. Frodo puts on ring. Frodo gets stabbed. Aragorn shows up, fights off Ringwraiths. That's pretty much the scene. Um, now, on its own terms, and the sense of a movie, it's not that bad, it's, but it's, it's bad in the sense that why is Aragorn gone in the first place, first? Uh, second, why did he leave them and not, you know, give them instructions as to, you know, don't start a fire or, you know, this is the guy who's supposed to be helping them get to Rivendell without getting killed, and he apparently completely abandons his job for long enough for them to get attacked by Ringwraiths. Ironically, in the book, it's exactly the opposite situation. He's with them the entire time, and he actually tells them, yeah, we want a fire because the Ringwraiths don't like it. Um, and there's no real big fight scene either. And this is one of the complaints, of course, that Christopher Tolkien, uh, he put out an a interview. He, I, I shouldn't say he put out an interview. He gave an interview recently to Le Monde magazine in France, I believe. I'll try to find that and link it in the description. But the, um, one of the complaints that he had about the movie trilogy is there's way too much action. And it's true. There is a lot of action in the movies. It's kind of the way movies just go, uh, but, I mean, if you compare the movies and the books, I mean, the books basically shorten all the battle scenes down to almost nothing. And in this particular instance, there really isn't a fight scene. The way it all goes down is they're all kind of sitting in a dell, not near the top of the hill at all. They're kind of on the backside because they're trying to hide from the ringwraiths who they'd actually seen um, traveling along the roadway near the the hill, not just that earlier that day. So they're on kind of the back side of the hill in a dell, and uh, you get, uh, they've got a fire going, and suddenly, it's either Mary or Pippin, I forget which, but one of them is kind of walking out, and then they run back and say, I, I didn't see anything, but I felt something, and so Argon basically says, everybody pick up you know, some sticks from the fire and hold it, and we're gonna get in a circle. And they do that, and the only real problem is that Frodo, being the ring bearer and you know basically mortally terrified not only of the ring rates but also driven to to put the ring on because that's its nature, he eventually just can't 
take it anymore. He just, you know, he's got this, it's like a willpower crushing his own basically says, you got to put on the ring now. You got to put on the ring now. You got to put on the ring now. And he finally does. And when he does, he sees the ring rates clearly. And that's another thing that I could go into is the fact that they made the, in the movie, they're all kind of like wispy and all that. In the book, you get the idea that they're very clear, defined shapes, and it's the rest of the world that's kind of fuzzy and weird. But, you know, they could kind of see the shadows of the ring race coming up over the lip of the Dell. But when Frodo puts the ring on, they're all very clear. And then um, one of them, which in, ends up being the Witch King, of course, comes forward with a knife and he charges Frodo. Frodo takes out Sting. He shouts something in Elvish, which, in as in many of the cases in the books, uh, anytime anybody shouts anything in Elvish, it's kind of inspired. They didn't really even mean to say it. Um, but he takes out his his uh, Sting, and he, well, I mean, he doesn't have Sting at that point, actually. It's a, the Barrow White Sword. But he tries to stab the Witch King in the foot, whereas the Witch King stabs him in the shoulder. And then they all just kind of run off. Uh, there is no fight scene. Aragorn chases him off with the fire that he has, and that's it. The ring rates are essentially at that point just trusting that the knife will finish Frodo off. And Frodo ends up, you know, he tried to stab the Witch King, but he completely missed. Aragorn actually makes the point, if you had struck him with it, the sword wouldn't have survived. And they kind of hint at that later, too, in the movies where Merry stabs the Witch King in the back of the knee um, and his sword just disintegrates. That's what would have happened to Frodo's sword at that point had he done it. So there's a very different dynamic going on in the scene altogether. I mean, Aragorn doesn't leave. He actually tells them to start a fire because it's better to have the fire than not. There's no real fight scene. It's just, it, it's a completely different scene in the book than it is in the movie. And it's just, why do you have to change it? just to throw in an action scene. That's essentially all. And and to add to the tension, I guess, because Aragorn is not there for no apparent good reason. He comes back, and there's never any indication of why he was gone. Why was he gone? What was the point? They never explain it. So that's the first one. It only gets worse from here. So the second one is kind of a collection of scenes. They're kind of interspersed um, in the two towers. It's the Arwen sequence. So... In the book, there's really not a whole lot of Arwen involved. She's at Rivendell when everybody's in Rivendell, and um, there's a mention of her. Aragorn doesn't actually show up for the feast where she is. Um, and then the next time you really see her is in Gondor after the war is won, and she marries Aragorn. That's kind of it. And then there's a the story of Aragorn and Arwen is placed in the appendices, but the entire point of the book is that it's told from the perspective of the hobbits, and they don't see what's going on in Aragorn's mind. They don't have any of this stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things going on. But Peter Jackson, of course, tries to insert this love story into the main story by making a bunch of different uh, references to Arwen during the Two Towers. And this really gets bad. Um... I mean, all of the stuff that he adds in the two towers is just kind of pointless. But the one scene in particular that I really want to bring up because it's just it gets me every time um, is the scene where Elrond comes in to talk to Arwen, 
and basically says, Aragorn's not coming back. Even if he survives, he's going to die. And, you know, don't you love me too? Really? I mean, come on. Elrond is supposed to be the wise, one of the wisest and greatest elves that are still in Middle-earth, and you're going to reduce him to guilt-tripping his daughter? Oh, oh my god. Oh, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. I cannot stand the fact that Peter Jackson did this. It's bad enough that he had to add like an extra 20 minutes of runtime to a movie that already had too much cut out of it that could have been put back into it. But then you're going to do that? I mean, it's just... Elrond is not that kind of person. In the book, he actually has kind of the same feelings toward the idea of Arwen marrying Aragorn because he doesn't want to be separated from her forever. The whole dynamic of elves and men is elves don't know where men go after they die, and elves don't really know where they're going to end up for eternity either. They just know that they're essentially coextensive with the world itself as far as their lifespan. They're essentially immortal, but they don't know if they ever get reunited. So if Harwin chooses a mortal life, he doesn't know if he'll ever see her again. And it even says in the book, whenever they finally do say their goodbyes, it's a very bitter parting. That's fine. You can talk about that. But to to make Elrond go into this whole idea of, don't I also have your love? Ugh. I mean, that, it turns him into a slime bag. It's disgusting. And in the book, he has, like I say, that similar feeling, but he does straight up tell Aragorn, you can marry her, but you gotta be king first, okay? So, I mean, it's not like he knows that Arwen has her own choice, because all half-elven people do. And it's 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 not just a an elven... Elves don't get to just choose to be mortal. Arwen gets the choice because she's half-elven. The movies kind of gloss over that. And it's not even really clear from Lord of the Rings. You have to read some of the other, like some of Tolkien's letters go into that. But the main point here is, you know, on top of all the Arwen stuff, you just had to throw in this one scene where Elrond guilt trips her into getting on a boat to Valinor. It's just absolutely, it didn't need to happen at all. And it turns Elrond into a completely different character than he is in the book. In the book, he has a lot of sorrow over it, but he's not... It's just bad. I'm going to stop talking about it before I go off on anything else. On this one, I'm kind of going to cheat a little bit and combine two into one and make this six video, six uh, scenes. Um, but they're, they're so similar and they're so parallel that I, I can't really separate them out, even though they're completely par parts of different storylines. Um, one of them is the result of the Ent moot. In the movie, of course, the Ents all get together. Merry and Pippin are waiting for a long, long time. And Treebeard finally comes up and said, yeah, we're not getting involved. It's really short, but it's really wrong. It's really bad. And then, of course, they... Pippin convinces him to go let him at, out of the forest at the south end so that they can try to sneak around Saruman. And uh, they find that, oh, look, all these trees have been cut down. Who knew? They've been cutting down trees for ages, and Treebeard didn't know this, and suddenly this changes his mind? No. In the books, the Int Moot already knows about all this, and for natural reasons, they decide, yep, 
we're going to go teach Saruman a lesson. So bad, so wrong, they turn it completely around. And the reason I combine this with another scene, the other scene that I want to talk about in this little segment is Faramir and... There's a lot of things I don't like about what they did with Faramir. I've talked about them before, but right now what I'm talking about is specifically when they catch Gollum and all of that little scene and Faramir's decision to take the ring to Gondor. So, again, this is one where it's the opposite of the book. First of all, when they catch Gollum, he essentially kind of looks away as they beat Gollum up, and it, it's... It's really a dirty scene in the sense that it, it tarnishes Faramir's character a lot. In the book, of course, this would never happen. Faramir's not that kind of person. He even says some things like, you know, I wouldn't, you know, lie even to an orc. So why would he torture even somebody as miserable as Gollum? I mean, it, it doesn't fit with his character at all. But, of course, the reason this is parallel to the, the Inthmoot scene is because he ends up finding out, of course, what Frodo has. He comes and confronts him about it, and he basically, despite the fact that Sam stands up for Frodo, says the ring will go to Gondor, which, of course, is exactly the opposite of what happens in the book, where he, you know, he finds out quite by accident because Sam kind of flirts it out. Um, he said, don't worry, I've already said I wouldn't take this thing if it was laying by the side of the highway, and I'm going to stick to my word. I'm not going to take this thing. It's Probably not a good idea that I do anyway. Um, so these two scenes are emblematic of kind of this, uh, an overall problem that Peter Jackson has in The Two Towers. I don't know what happened in The Two Towers. Uh, there are some good things about The Two Towers, but in this particular case, these two events, which are also very close to each other in the movie, by the way, um, they go completely the other way compared to the way the book goes, and they're just needlessly so. I mean, it, the only thing it does is it adds a little extra tension to the characters, but there's enough tension going on anyway. I mean, almost the entire movie is a lead-up to the Battle of Helm's Deep. You've got plenty of tension going on. You don't need to create more by, you know, saying, oh, we're not going to help after all. And then, oh, we are going to help. You know, I mean, what was the point of that? It just wastes screen time. And then the same with Faramir's decision. He then has to drag Frodo all the way to Osgiliath and then let him go, wasting more screen time. I mean, between all the Arwen stuff and the time wasted between these two scenes, they probably added an extra 30 to 45 minutes of screen time to the movie that could have been spent on stuff that actually happens in the books that got pushed to the Return of the King movie, like when they finally make it to uh, Minas Morgul and Frodo gets stung by Shelob. I mean, that happens in the Two Towers, not the Return of the King. And yet they had to add all this extra material for reasons that don't make any sense. I mean, it it's not even necessary cinematically, and it just drives me nuts that they they added all this material because they decided to go completely con contrary to the way the book goes. They ruined Faramir's character. They turned the Ents into, I don't know, idiots who don't know what's going on in their own forest? I, I don't know. Uh, it's just absolutely stupid. So anyway, those two scenes hit my number three spot here in my chronologically ordered list. So... Now we've only got two more, and they come within the Return of the King, so let's finish this up.
Second to last, but probably the worst of the entire batch. Uh, oh, this is bad. Frodo telling Sam to go home. This is so bad. It, it, it's absolutely disgustingly bad because in the book, of course, this never happens. Frodo and Sam are together the whole time. Um, Frodo never even has a hint of, of mistrusting Sam or believing Gollum or any of this stuff. Of course, he does push back against Sam whenever Sam wants to you know, get rid of Gollum or whatever because Frodo recognizes, look, we got a better chance with him than without him. He probably is going to betray us. I mean, Frodo admits it in the book. He says he's probably going to try to betray us, but we've got really no other choice. We've got to do what we've got, what we set out to do, and this is the only way I can see that we're going to be able to do it. Um, and in the movie, it kind of starts that way, but sooner or later, you get the idea that Gollum's gotten into Frodo's head and turned him against Sam because... Because the ring? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean... Gollum is obviously playing on the idea of Sam wants the ring for himself, and that, you know, ends up coming up, but it's forced. It's, it's really forced, let's be honest. It's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, I mean, for one thing, you don't get the idea in the books that Gollum is really even that crafty of a character. He's got his plans, but they're you know, his plan basically is let's get him into Shelob's lair and Shelob will do the dirty work. I mean, he's not, he's not a manipulator. That's not really what his character is. When he wants something, he gets it by violence. That, that's, that's, that's who Gollum is. Um, in the movies, they try to turn him into this master manipulator who can apparently use the ring's influence to get Frodo to actually think that Sam is the bad guy in all this situation. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's not completely unbelievable, but it, it's still just awful. And, and it didn't, again, this adds more material that didn't have to be in the movie. It kills more screen time for no good reason. All it does is it, it doesn't accomplish anything really worthwhile except again, create more emotional tension that we've already got plenty of. There's a lot going on here that we that creates tension in the movie. We've got the war building up. We've got, you know, even if you didn't have all this stuff, you've got, you know, Samwise and uh, Frodo trying to get through and then Frodo gets stung by Shelob. All of that adds plenty of tension by itself. You don't need the additional tension. There's lots to go around. So, the idea that we have to add in this dynamic of Gollum is somehow getting into Frodo's head, as if Frodo would ever fall for that. He knows who Gollum is. I mean, this is... It's absolutely astounding. It doesn't make any sense. Frodo's not an idiot, and the ring doesn't turn your mind to mush. It just makes you want the ring. You know, I mean, he has his moments where he kind of lashes out at Sam when Sam, you know, does things that imply that he wants the ring or could be interpreted that way, but he always snaps out of it almost instantaneously because he realizes, you know, you're not really trying to take the ring from me. You're trying to help. It's just that I can't give it up, you know, but they turn, and this is kind of just an ongoing thing throughout the movies, is the way Peter Jackson treats the ring and how it influences a person's mind is different than the way it is in the books. I mean, it just is. 
And that's part of the reason why this scene kind of makes a little more sense in the movie than it would in the book, but it still doesn't make that much sense. You still have to basically assume that Frodo's mind went completely zonk for him to believe Gollum, of all people, who obviously wants the ring. Frodo knows this. There's a scene in the movie, it might be in the extended edition only, I'm not sure, where Gollum is kind of talking to himself, talking about his precious and all that, and Frodo says, what did you say? And of course he knows what he's talking about. He's talking about the ring. He always wants the ring. That, that's his entire goal, and Frodo knows this. It's not like he's clueless to who Gollum is. I mean, so just the whole dynamic doesn't make a lick of sense, and that's eh, this is probably the worst one on the list because it's just contrary to Frodo's character, contrary to the book, contrary to common sense. It just doesn't doesn't work. It's it's horrible. So let's move on to the last one. Last one chronologically is actually not the worst one. Well, meh. in a way, it kind of is. It's a it's really bad. And I, again, I think this is one that's only in the extended edition. Uh, so if you haven't seen the extended edition, you wouldn't have seen this one. But it's a scene where Frodo and Sam are disguised as orcs, and they get um, basically um, conscripted by a <laughs> group of orcs who pass them by. Um, they pretend to be sleeping like they're just exhausted or whatever, and then the orcs who are going by, they're on their way to the Black Gate to meet Aragorn's army. They pick them up and force them to march with them. And of course, Frodo's in no condition to do this. He's just been wounded by Shelob. He's, you know, fighting the ring at the same time. He's, he's really in no condition to do it. And in the movie, the way it goes, they finally get close to the Black Gate and uh, Frodo is about to just give out. He doesn't have the stamina to go any further. And he's going to collapse and he basically says, he tells Sam to hit me. You know, start fighting. He's trying to create a diversion so that they can escape. And uh, so Sam hits him. They start fighting. And all the orcs around him are kind of watching like a schoolyard fight. You know, go, go, go. You know, they're obviously they're not high school students or anything. But that's kind of the idea. You That's the feel you get from the movie. And then some other orc interrupts him and basically says, get this under control to the guy who's heading up the particular group they're in. And then Frodo and Sam just kind of walk out. Yeah, that that's it. That If you haven't seen it, you actually have to watch it to see how bad it is because they just walk out of the group. It's not like the rest of the orcs are just suddenly put on sunglasses and can't see them. Um, this happens in the in the book as well, but the way it happens is completely different. In the book, what happens, two groups meet at a crossroads trying to get to the Black Gate. Both sides are exhausted, and one side, I think, is men, and the other side is orcs, the ones that Frodo and Sam are with. So there's a little bit of racial animosity going on there. Orcs don't like men, even when they're all on the same side. And there's also the whole uh, motivation of... I want to get to the end so we can all rest, and I want to do it before these guys because if we have to wait for them, then we have to sit out here for a while. So those two groups start fighting over who gets to go first. And in that very general mess, Frodo and Sam sneak out. 
makes a heck of a lot more sense because everybody's fighting, nobody's paying attention to them. In the movie, everybody's paying attention to them because they were the only two people fighting and it was apparently just a personal squabble between the two of them. And then when everybody stops watching them, they're all still looking forward. Everybody's kind of in just the same columns they were already in and Frodo and Sam just kind of walk out. What's the distraction? There was no distraction other than them fighting each other and the other guy coming up and saying, get this under control and let's go. There's nothing going on there, but they just apparently decide, oh, nobody's watching us anymore, even though there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be seen. I mean, it, it just, and the reason why I say this is, in some sense, arguably the worst of these scenes is because it's so, I mean, suspension of disbelief can go only so far, people. It, it really does. And this is one where it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. I can't suspend that much disbelief. I just can't. You know, I'm looking at these two people in a crowd who are all facing the same direction, and they just walk out. I, I don't. I, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense if you watch it. If you haven't seen it, see if you can find it on YouTube or borrow somebody's extended cut and go find it because. I'm telling you, if you can explain to me how that scene makes any sense that nobody noticed them walking out of that group of orcs, please, please tell me in the comments how that works because I can't get it. Okay, I got through that one. That may be the worst video I ever do, both in terms of didn't like it and worst quality. <laughs> uh, in absolute fairness, though, um, the like I've said before, I still really enjoy watching the movies despite these problems. There are things about the movies that I can't stand, but I do still enjoy watching them. However, if you think that there are other scenes that you think are worse than these, um, please feel free to mention them in the comments below. Please also like and share the video if you want to see more stuff like this or other things about Tolkien generally, not even necessarily about Middle Earth. Please subscribe to the channel. Or you can follow me at JRRT Lore on Twitter. And until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Thank goodness we're done with this video. Namadier.